previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. But I just want everybody to take a breath, relax, put on your mask, and go vote. Viva Las Vegas for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Well, that doesn't apply to the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys have the gut bucket blues. The Atlanta Falcons even do right wrong. Brady is the most overrated quarterback ever. What he does on the field will make any team better. Now, what he does off the field may destroy you. So the best thing you can do, cut salary, get draft picks, take the hit this year, trade everybody, and rebuild. First of all, they lost to the Nationals. I knew you were going to have a rebuttal. I knew it. I knew it. Get hey, in. man, are you going to try to contradict me on everything in the show? So I'm not coming on next week. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us. I'm excited. Are you excited? If not, hey, just relax and sit back and enjoy a great episode. We have a lot of stuff coming up for you. I'm going to give you a rundown of all of that. I tell you what, I'm in a great mood because we are just days away from the most important election in the United States since 1864. Now, I had Lincoln to win. And he did. McClellan ran against him, uh, the general. He was a horrible general, by the way. And then he wants to run for president. Lincoln won. And the rest is the rest is what it is. So we we got it done and uh, we'll get it done again, I suspect. So close to Election Day. So I'm excited about all of that. A lot of energy in the air. Look cool front hit the city of Houston. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm just excited that you guys are with us. And uh, again, we have Terrence Harris this time out. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about why we kneel. All of those things. But let me tell you first, I would like for you and you and you and you and you to go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. Go to the website, WadesWordProductions.com. No punctuation, just WadesWordProductions.com. And look around, listen to past episodes, peruse the website, go down to the bottom of any page and hit subscribe and subscribe to the email list. It's important because that's a way that I communicate with you guys. Now, the other way that you can communicate with me, and this is very important, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. That is the sports line. 24 hours a day, you can call us, leave us your questions, comments, thoughts on anything in the world of sports. If there's a team or player you want us to talk about please bring it up for us and we will try to do our best to address that if you have some great comments we'll include them in our next episode okay 832-941-6614 also on twitter at wadesword w-a-d-e-s-w-o-r-d that's w-a-d-e-s-w-o-r-d and of course the sports talk with devin wade group on facebook there's also a fan page but i want you to join the sports talk with devin wade group 
There are a lot of things that are posted there every single day. JM Keep does a great job. Charles Rayon. So many guys and gals post on that page. On I post on that page as well. It's a really, really fun way to interact. I put poll questions up there periodically. Kind of every couple of weeks or so, we do poll questions. So look for those. But it's on, on if you're on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group. All of those are ways that you can get in touch with us and be interactive with the program now want to tell you what we have coming up this time out we have some headlines for you and we're going to run down what's going on uh, some of the the things that we uh, highlighted uh, that are important in the world of sports then we're going to do a why we kneel that's a segment we do every thursday and we'll be doing that every thursday during the fall Kalina does that, so you definitely have that to look forward to. Then we will hit a good day. I'm going to tell you the players and the teams that are going to have a good day. So we'll do that for you. Then we'll take a time out here from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And on the other side, I may get on my soapbox for a little bit, just a little bit. And then we'll hear from King T, Terrence Harris. And then after that, we have the most popular segment on the show. The Lamont Award for the Big Dummy of the episode. So with that, let's get right into it. Let's get into some headlines. In headlines, the Houston Rockets have a new head coach in the person of Steven Silas who has quite the NBA pedigree. He has 19 years of coaching experience as an assistant in the league, and he is the son of former NBA player and coach Paul Silas. That was LeBron's first head coach. And for the first time in Houston history, all three major sports franchises have an African-American at the helm. You have Romeo Cornell, the interim. He probably won't be here after the remaining games of this NFL season for the Texans. But he's the head coach of the Texans now. You have Dusty Baker, the manager for the Houston Astros, and now a young, well, I say young, but inexperienced Steven Silas. Now, I was not a big fan of having a first-time coach come in and deal with this group of Rockets. When you have a veteran team with some strong personalities like James Harden, like Russell Westbrook, how are they going to respond to a first-year head coach? Now, I feel uh, I feel better about the fact that they say that he's worked with a lot of high-profile guys, Luka Doncic in uh, Dallas, and he knows how to communicate. They say he's great at communicating with the guys. So, I mean, you get all of the good stuff at the beginning you, oh yeah he's a players coach and they he's one of the guys and he can respond he'll be in the locker room and he knows how to relate to the guys because you have to relate to these guys because this more than any other league is really all about player power players have all the clout in the nba more than any other sport they have control on who they want to be coached by and it's only gotten worse and obviously that's because of guaranteed contracts and so few guys and so few marquee guys in a baseball team you have really a lot of guaranteed contracts but you have so many players that are involved if you are the top one two or three guys in the nba on any franchise you have a lot of clout a lot of clout to do what you want some say that's a good thing something sounds Sometimes uh, that can be a bad thing. We'll have to see how these players and this coach 
sort of meld together. Let's see if it works. I'm rooting for him, definitely. I would have gone with a veteran head coach. I, I just would have. But let's see. Let's hope he's supposed to be an innovator offensively, and Rockets can certainly use that And when it pertains to getting other guys involved. You have so much offensive po- uh, firepower, you want to harness that and get the most out of that. And, of course, there will be some personnel changes. And, and speaking of the Rockets, Daryl Morey, now uh, the former – General manager for the Houston Rockets is now the president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. That's kind of a surprise. You bring in a guy like Doc Rivers and then you bring in Daryl Morey. And then Doc has been a GM. Some can question his level of success, but he's been a GM before in his league. And now you bring in a, a guy that is definitely going to tinker with the roster. Now he's going to, I'm telling you, the analytics will come into play and he will work out what's best in his opinion for that organization as it pertains to do you keep Joel Embiid? Do you get rid of Ben Simmons? What do you do? And he'll have to figure that out. And I'm sure he's busy crunching the numbers, maybe even as we speak. Also in headlines, obviously, the Los Angeles Dodgers are the world champions. They won the World Series, and they defeated the Tampa Bay Rays in six games. And there was a lot of discussion about Kevin Cash, the the manager for the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, pulling out Snell, his pitcher, when he was dominating the Dodgers. And it gets back to analytics. It, the, the whole analytics discussion has been in the forefront. This is how I feel about analytics. Okay, I'm kind of old school with it, but it's a tool like anything else. I think you use analytics as a tool, but that's just one of many tools. You have to use your eyes and your your ears and your heart, and you have to look at situations. So this is what I detest, detest about analytics. And to understand the Tampa Bay Rays success, you have to understand that this is a from the top down a analytics organization. They are not going to they they're going to have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. They're not going to pay a lot of people. So they have to maximize what they get from their players. So they have to really understand what they need and what guy out there can do that at a price that they can afford. So they're built from the top down. They would not be where they are without analytics. And they would not have made it to the World Series without analytics. I get that. But at some point, you have to look at the situation and say, I'm going to trust this guy. We can go back to the Zach Granke game in the ALCS. Dusty came out to pull Granke. And Granky was like, "No, I'll, I'm I'm ready. Don't I'm not I'm not ready to go." And Dusty relented, and it paid off in a big way on a couple of different levels. It paid off on the field, but it also paid off in building that trust between the manager and the player. And really, it did a lot for Granky to know that his manager trusted his word, and and that goes a long, long way. But this is the part that I detest. I detest when. You have a strategy from the GM and from the top of the organization where the manager is really just kind of maneuvering and just doing this move according to this. It really has so little wiggle room to do what he thinks is best. And my understanding and just listening to some of the media guys that really know this organization, that basically the decisions were made, they were predetermined. 
They knew that, hey, this is they did not want Snell to see the lineup a third time. Analytics says something like this, that your batting average against a pitcher the first time, just, just throw out a number. Say, oh, you bat 125 against a pitcher when you see him once. You may bat 200 if you see him twice. But on that third time, you may bat 600. Versus a guy the third time you see him on average. And so that dictates that, hey, we do not want this guy to see that lineup. We don't see we don't want that lineup to see our pitcher a third time. We don't want to face each other a third time. And that's how they operate it. Now, you can be critical. And obviously, any decision that you make that you don't win is the wrong decision. But understand that this is what they've done. This is how they've gotten there. But it just takes out the human element. And I, that I cannot stand. And I think I really think it comes from like the video game generation where they don't want human beings. They just want bodies that can go out and do exactly what they want them. They approach these guys almost like a, a computer game. I mean, so I don't know. I, I don't I don't like that part of it, although I know that analytics is a good tool to have if you know situations and you, you know. But how can you look at what Snell did and say, OK, yeah, it's time for him to come out? Uh, he'll be paying for that, but I'm sure that the, the analytics said that they did the right thing in their mind, and I think they'll rock with that. So I don't know. That That's a tough one. I do want to get a little bit into Justin Tucker and the whole COVID situation. Uh, and I'm going to uh, hint, hint, there's a Lamont Award recipient in there, and, and I'll get into that a little bit later on. So here's what happened. Justin Tucker, the third baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers, had an inconclusive test, a COVID test. And then he got retested and the results came during game six of the World Series. So he was asked to leave in the seventh inning. This entire time he's been exposed to the opposition and to all of his teammates in the dugout. And yeah. That's that's what it was. And then he was removed. He decided once the championship was over to come back out onto the field and celebrate, ignoring Major League security and thus exposing himself more for a longer period of time to his teammates and a cancer survivor in Dave Roberts, his manager. Dave Roberts, they have pictures with Tucker taking a picture right next to Dave Roberts. And without his mask, he pulled his mask down, he kissed his wife, all of that. You know, there's levels to this, but I think that the major onus and the major blame in this situation goes to Major League Baseball because, if A, that never should have happened. If there was an inconclusive test, we have to figure this out we, we before we let you around the rest of your team because he could have really ruined the World Series because now – I don't I don't know. We won't hear this, but I'm sure other guys on the team may test positive in the in the coming days or, or maybe even the same day the next day following the World Series. You hope Dave Roberts doesn't get sick. You hope none of these guys get sick. But you cannot let that happen. And if that happens, you have to remove him if there's any doubt. And if you don't and you find out he does, then you have to remove him immediately from the premises. World Series or not, you have to – he cannot – that is criminal behavior. If you know you have a, a, a illness and you expose somebody, that, that's almost like – look at it like HIV. You say, okay, well, I know that I have HIV, but I'm going to have unprotected sex anyway. 
And I'm going to expose this person to that. And that person gets HIV and God forbid, they go on and get severely ill or, or, or develop AIDS or whatever. So what I'm saying is you can't, if you have something that you know is potentially fatal to go out and purposely expose people, that's criminally negligent behavior. Now, again, you, you, that sounds so over the top, but I'm te- if he comes in my face and he knew he had COVID and I get COVID, and I'm hospitalized. He better hope I don't get well because I'm going to kick his Because you were wrong. You knew you had it. And you came back and did that. I don't give a damn about a World Series. That's a moment in time and I uh, that's unfortunate. But say you broke your leg or you tore your knee up and had to go to the hospital. You couldn't have been on the field then. I just don't. That's ridiculous to me. It's criminal behavior. But we'll revisit that a little bit later on. Speaking of COVID, COVID in the NFL is a thing. I don't even talk about it on the college football level because it's going to be so prominent. It's going to be around so much. It's going to be so abundant. It's going to affect the games so much. It already has affected a Big Ten game, which the Big Ten didn't want to come back. They were pressured to come back by the parents, by by the fans, by all the folks in college football. They were pressured to come back as a conference they didn't i don't think the conference commission they didn't they looked at the data and they did not want this to go forward but i think they relented to pressure they came back and already you have wisconsin and nebraska canceled can't not postpone canceled it's this is going to be ridiculous in college football but in the nfl you had three players from three different teams including the houston texans all test positive those players were removed for a band or i guess vanquished from from the premises in the case of the texans they have a bye week so this is not going to hurt them you hope not so but the they're gonna deep clean uh, the facility again and none of the players are going to be at the facility this week anyway and then the giants had a person and the Chargers had a person so we'll just have to follow it and see how it goes so that's going on so those are your headlines let's get into a segment with kalina that we call why we kneel there was yet another incident this time in philadelphia of a black man killed by police officers and there were protests and riots and all that stuff pertaining to that but a few years ago she wanted to do something to talk about the reason why colin kaepernick was kneeling and why a lot of people were boycotting the nfl for blackballing colin kaepernick and she called that segment why we kneel and this is this week's why we kneel feeling the chilling moments that led to a police officer shooting me ultimately is to bring awareness and make people colin kaepernick kneeling to protest social injustice and police yet unsigned by any nfl team he's fired he's fired why we kneel On November 22nd, 2014, someone reported a male was pointing a, quote, pistol at people at the Cadell Recreation Center in Cleveland, Ohio. The caller speculated that the weapon was, quote, probably fake, and that the male was, quote, probably a juvenile. After the two-minute phone call, the police were dispatched without knowledge of the person possibly being a juvenile or the gun possibly being fake. Surveillance video from the incident shows 12-year-old Tamir Rice pacing the park at the recreation center, occasionally extending his right arm. 
He then sits at a picnic table inside a gazebo. A police car with officers Timothy Lohman and Frank Garnback quickly pull up to the gazebo. Rice appears to lift his hand, which later Officer Lohman claims he perceived as a threat, and an attempt to pull out Rice's gun. Lohman immediately jumped out of the car and fired two shots, hitting Tamir's torso. The video shows that the car had not come to a complete stop before shots were fired. The incident lasted no more than two seconds. No aid was administered to Rice for four minutes until an FBI agent who was working nearby arrived to provide aid. The agent later stated that the officers did not know what to do, that the wound was more advanced than what they were trained for. Rice died the next day. On December 28, 2015, a grand jury decided not to indict Lohman or Garmbach. Lohman was fired in 2017 from the Cleveland Police Force for concealing a previous determination that he lacked the maturity and emotional stability to be a police officer. The 911 dispatcher was suspended for eight days for failing to convey Rice was possibly a youth and that the gun was possibly fake. Rice's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit, and in 2016, the lawsuit was settled for $6 million. Tamir was an excellent athlete, competitive, creative, and ambitious. Tamir Rice is why we kneel. want to thank Kalina for that Why We Kneel. We air that each and every Thursday during the fall. And it's a very important thing. And I'll tell you what, that that one I have to kind of, when you think about all of the victims, Tamir Rice, George Floyd, because of the sheer time, length of time and pure brutality of it, just the neglect for human life, that one bothers me, but Tamir Rice, I've never seen such a blatant act of cowardice. I've never seen anything like that. And you could talk about all of the elements, but when you decide, and, and again, I've seen the video, when you decide that that kid, that particular kid, a child, was a threat, come on, man. That was the biggest act of cowardice I've ever seen, and I have to really kind of work on my religion when I think about that one. Because that was a child. And that kid was not a danger to anyone. If you can't take more than two seconds to determine that that child, that kid playing alone in the playground, was a threat or not, then not only should you not be a police officer, you shouldn't be walking around free in society. For more content, go to WaysWordProductions.com. With that, want to shift gears and sort of lighten the mood a little bit as we get into our good day segment. This is where I predict, I give you guys the formula for your picks for the weekend and maybe even your fantasy picks. I don't, I mean, I'm not endorsing gambling, but I'm just telling you where 
I'm going. This is where my head is. So uh, before I get into who's going to have a good day on Sunday, let's review this week and let's review the season. So last week I do five teams and five players. Last week I had the Steelers over Tennessee. Check. I had the Bills over the Jets. Check. I had Seattle over Arizona. I was oh so close, but that was an X as Arizona came back to win that game in overtime. I had Green Bay over Houston. Check. And finally, I had, um, as my upset special, I had Tampa Bay going to Las Vegas and defeating the Las Vegas Raiders. That's a check. So that was 4-1 on the week. Overall, I'm 21 and a half. And eight and a half. And I'm three and three on my upset specials. Now, there was a half point in there somewhere. And I have to, I forget now, but you can go back and listen to past episodes to see how I got my half point. But as it pertains to players, had a little bit rough a week on players. I had Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones didn't even play. I wasn't aware that he would not play. He had some knee stuff going on, and he didn't even suit up versus the Texans. So that's an X. I was wrong on that one. Cam Newton, I thought he would rebound in a major way, and he just didn't. And so I get an X on that one. I had Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had a good day. He was 31 of 42, and he had one touchdown. They didn't win. They should have won, Todd Gurley. (laughs) They should have won, Gurley. But instead, they uh, they lost on the last play of the game. So that was terrible. But he had a good day. Deshaun Watson, he had a good day. Some of it was during garbage time, but he was 29 or 39, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So good day for him. And I had the Tampa Bay defensive line. They had three sacks and four and a half tackles for losses. So I'll give myself a point for that one. That's three and two on the week. So overall, I'm 18 and 10. That's what I've done. Now, here's what I'm doing. Here's who is going to have a good day. When talking about teams that are going to have a good day, you start with a division no one wants to win, a division no one wants to watch, and a game probably no one wants to watch outside of Philadelphia and Dallas. The Eagles will have a good day dominating the Dallas Cowboys. The Buffalo Bills will have an opportunity to dominate the AFC East for the first time in a long time. As the New England Patriots come to town, they're banged up. No Julian Edelman. Cam Newton can't protect the football, and Buffalo will have a good day. In a banging, bruising battle for the AFC North. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the only undefeated team in the NFL, will remain so. It'll be tough, but they will get it done in Baltimore versus the Ravens. They will have a good day. How do you get over a tough division loss in the NFL? By beating up another team in your division. After dropping a game to the Arizona Cardinals, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks will have a good day versus the 49ers. And my upset special, and Terrence Harris is not going to want to hear this, the Las Vegas Ravens will go to Cleveland and beat up on the Odell Beckham list. Cleveland Browns, they will have a good day. When you're talking about players who are going to have a good day, Derrick Henry is going to stomp all over the Cincinnati Bengals. He will have a good day. Aaron Donald and that defensive front for the Los Angeles Rams will take on and dominate the rookie in his very first start to a tongue of Iowa, and they will have a good day. 
Russell Wilson had over 400 total yards last week versus the Arizona Cardinals. He will do something similar to the San Francisco 49ers, and Russell Wilson will definitely have a good day. Pat Mahomes didn't put up good numbers last week. He will this week versus the New York Jets, and Trevor Lawrence may not want to be a New York Jet, but it's coming closer to becoming a reality after the Jets lose to Kansas City. Pat Mahomes will have a good day. Finally, Carson Wentz will run all over the Cowboys, and he, of course, will have a good day. And those are the teams and the players who are going to have a good day. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. With that, going to take a time out and hear from our sponsor, CoBank Homes. want to remind you guys, if you want to sponsor a portion of the show, a segment, or, hey, be a show sponsor, period, just hit us up, advertising at wadeswordproductions.com. That's advertising at wadeswordproductions.com. Let us know, and, hey, we can work with you so you can advertise your product to the thousands of folks who listen to the podcast. Also, we're going to hear from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, on the other side, going to hear from King T, that's Terrence Harris, and we will have Olamon Award, all that and a little bit more. It's the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ and you want your mix heard, or if you're already a fledgling artist or know someone who wants their music played on the podcast, just hit us up, music at wagewordproductions.com, email us, and we'll get back with you, and you can have your music heard. The genre doesn't matter, and we have a diverse audience, so we have somebody that likes everything. Someone somewhere will like what you do. I can almost promise you that. 
or have some slight appreciation. If it's just if it's just not good, I mean, I don't know what to tell you, but even then we'll be encouraging. How about that? We'll have some constructive criticism that you will never hear. But, but nonetheless, the genre doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is uh, we prefer it to be radio edit. We want it sort of clean, even though, you know, well, yeah, we, that's what we want. So music at wadesworthproductions.com. With that, I want to get into a segment where I talk about something, well, increasingly political. Although I've done that a little bit this episode already. Let me climb atop my soapbox. When we are together, we got power. And now it's time to get on the soapbox. This time out, look, we know we're just days away from the biggest presidential election of our lifetimes. And I know I say, they say that every time. This is this is cold, what, cold blue. We have to resuscitate this democracy. And, we, and I want to take the opportunity to brag on my state because I have relatives in more progressive areas of the country. And they sort of look down their noses at us here in Texas. And, and, you know, that is what that is. I will say this, that Texas may turn blue. And, you know, and I want you to think about this. So it's not just see this. This right now goes beyond policy. This is about having someone of character, someone with some integrity. Come on, you know, you wouldn't rock with this dude in your life. Like you wouldn't get out with him. You know, because you'd have to put hands on him. If, you know, you're lying to me all the time, you're trying to take my money, or you don't want to pay me back. Nah, no, nah, you, you out of line, bro. <laughs> so, so this is more than about policy or uh, political philosophy. This is more about let's not deal with the Russians in that way anymore. Let's, let's not lie. Let's not have secret Chinese bank accounts. And I know people don't want people up there turned off by this. But it, look, if I don't say this, if I don't at least put it out there, and again, I'm not saying that I have any, any influence on anybody, but I will say this, that I cannot not say something. I wouldn't want to look back in history and say, well, what did you say? Five days before the election, I didn't say anything. So I'm going to say something. And this is my podcast. I'm not on the airwaves with Texas Southern. Where the, I, that is, you have to be nonpartisan. That's what public radio can't do that. This is me. And my views are my views. They don't reflect the views of Terrence or Eddie or any of the guests that we've ever had. This is me, just me. And I just think that what we've seen, you know what it is. You know what it is. And there's no excuse to hide, you can't hide behind policy. I don't know how many millionaires we have listening. Well, I don't know how many one percenters we have listening. We may have some, but you got to take that hit, bro. If you're one percenter, you got to take that tax hit. Got to take that roll back on those tax cuts. But I say all of that to say I'm proud of my state for early turnout because at the end of the day, when we all participate, and everybody don't want to see everybody participate, but when we all participate, at least we have a true indication of what the people want. So I'm proud of Texas for early voter turnout. We are going to surpass in early voting the entire total of people who voted in the 2016 election. Isn't that amazing? So, again, get involved. In Texas, in certain counties, in Harris County, they have some 24, eight 24-hour polling places. I guess tonight into 
uh, like from when they open at 7 a.m. this morning to 7 p.m. tomorrow evening. And that'll wrap up early voting. And then you can't vote again until Election Day. So I'm just excited about that. Hopefully you guys are as well. Proud of the state of Texas for representing. And I'm proud of the country for turning out. We need to turn out and have our voices heard and let the chips fall where they may. Although I, we have to make the right decision here. This is, look, because I, I, you can make a case for other politicians with different philosophies. This is not a... This is not an ideologue. This is a narcissist. This is some other stuff. This is some stuff we're not we're not constitutionally even ready for. But I think it'll go smooth. Think he like I said, I think he's a, a one of those people when he's confronted with truth, he's gonna turn tail and run. But anyway, enough about that. Let's get into our conversation with our guy, King T, Terrence Harris. And and again, my comments or a reflection of me and me only. This has nothing to do with Terrence or anybody else. This is just Devin Wade getting on my soapbox. But here is our guy, King T. King T is back again with the new topic. Our guy, King T, is back on the podcast. How are you this afternoon? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How you doing, my brother? Great. So good to talk to you again and glad to... Uh, chop it up and ask you about a number of things we want to get into so but everything's good right and life is good you're not uh, uh, with all this chaotic stuff going around everything is good with in your world hey man life is grand i, I mean you know all things considered you know you can't complain <laughs> yeah well you can complain nobody's listening though right Ain't nobody trying to hear that right so what? i want to get into let's start with the the houston rockets they hire steven silas a, a veteran uh, assistant coach in this league, 19 years of coaching in the NBA, and also the son of of Paul Silas, uh, head coach and former great NBA player. What do you think about the hire by the Houston Rockets? I think it's a, you know what I said earlier is this is a, this is a solid hire. I mean, not a great, not a splashy hire, not 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 any of those things. It's a solid hire uh, in the sense that, I mean, here's a guy who has the pedigree. He's put in the work. All he's been missing is the opportunity, and here it is. I mean, you know, but I think going into this, I believe that, you know, the, the you know the Rockets felt like they could bring back a Doc Rivers or a Tyron Lue. Uh, what we didn't understand and what we didn't know, obviously that, that, that kind of was a game changer for getting a name coach in here, is that you had the uncertainty at that GM. And, and, I mean, I think the rest of the NBA quietly knew that this was going to happen. You know, we just didn't really understand that it was going to happen. We thought it should, but we didn't know that it was already in motion. And I think that's what turned Tyron Lue off and made him say, okay, I'd be better off going back to the Clippers and, and sticking with them than, you know, trying to go down this path with a, with a GM I don't really know, don't know much about. And I think Doc Rivers just kind of looked at it and was like, nah. Because I, I feel like this team is much more ready to win than the Sixers are, if you if believe it or not. I mean, I just don't think that they have the right mix of players there. They got some good young talent, but I don't think they have the right mix of players to really make a move in the East. I, I just don't. Well, I would say this. The East is much, much easier to contend with than the West. And I do think 
if you look at that team, you got a guy in Ben Simmons and you got MB, you got Tobias Harris, you're going to probably move away from, I would think, Embiid or Simmons, you're going to get rid of one of those two, and that'll give you some wiggle room. Here, you have veteran guys that I don't know that you can move. I don't know who who's ready to take on Harden or Gordon or Westbrook. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. So, I don't know that. I don't think e- either of them are great jobs. Uh, but I, if you if you give me an opportunity to compete in the East versus the West, you have a shorter you know a shorter distance to travel to get to the top in the Eastern Conference. I would think. Maybe, maybe not. I, I just don't know. I mean, because, I mean, I still think that Boston's a, a still a really good team. You know, Milwaukee is going to be good at least for another year. You look at uh, Miami. Miami, they should be great again. Uh, you know. Uh, Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. You, can, you just can't give up on Toronto. Yeah. Indiana's going to be good, I think. Yeah, Indiana's going to be good. I, I think that the Orlando Magic, I think they're finally kind of coming. And then you got the Brooklyn Nets. You don't know what that's going to be with. Well, with, yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, dude. I mean, that, that but, you know. But in the West, you have to overcome the Lakers and LeBron and Davis and then the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George for if they can make that work at all. Then you have Golden State coming back. Then you have Luka Doncic and, and those team, that, those young guys in Dallas that are breathing up your neck. So, yeah, it's not easy anywhere in the NBA these days. So let me ask you this, though. Do you think that some people, some coaches didn't want to come because you are locked in with three guys that are making a lot of money that you can't really move, and I don't know if you can get more out of them. Do you think that the the coaches looked at this team and said, ah, I'm not sure about Harden and Westbrook, and, and maybe they, they've tapped the, most of their potential? What do you think? I think what the problem is, is it's not so much that you can't move those guys as it is that you just don't have any movable guys in, in the sense of you need to be able to move a guy to bring in an impact player who can, you know, because they need, I mean, they, they need a post player now. I mean, now that you've given up your best post player to go to this this small ball movement that lasted a half a season, right? And, and now we clearly know that that don't work, right? It's, but you can't improve that situation. I mean, all you can do now is get some journeymen to come in there and, and, and play in the post. But, I mean, you need a dynamic person to be able to play in your post position. And they don't have that. I mean, and they don't have the ability to get that. So, and I think that's the thing. Because I don't think you really, you, you understand, you're not going to get really any the real value for a, a James Harden. You're not going to get the real value for, you know, a Russell Westbrook at this point. I mean, you know, in their careers at this stage of their lives. But I think there's, these guys are still good enough to win with. You just got to bring another dynamic player along with them, though. And I don't think that these guys have the ability to, you know, right now with any of the, the parts that they have, you know, the, the capital that they have at their disposal to really improve their, their, their lot at this point. And that's why, you know, you're kind of stuck in the mud in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I think, you know, the Rockets will still win 50, you know, 50 or so games next season. Right. Uh, but it, I think it, but once we get to the postseason, it is what it is. This is why I was apprehensive to go with a guy like Silas, a first-time head coach. Now, we've seen that a number of different co- – I guess, to me, Dan Tony probably had the best relationship with Harden because he allowed him to do what he wanted to do. But, you know, we've seen Mikhail have problems with him. That relationship wasn't always a good one and it didn't end well. 
I worry about a first-time head coach. Even though, again, maybe I feel a little bit better knowing, okay, 19 years in the league, he's been around in the NBA his whole life. Maybe he does have some respect from these guys. Do you think that those veterans are going to be able to respond to a first-time head coach? I think they're going to have to, just flat out. I mean, I think that they're going to have to because they have no choice, really. And Harden is in a situation where, you know, it's not like people are knocking down the doors to get him at this phase of his career so you know this is this is home and so you you got to make the best of it i mean and you and if you got a guy that's going to come in with some energy and some and, and, and some different approaches to how how to do this i mean i think it would behoove you to listen and it's not like this guy like i said i mean you know he's worked with some some pretty good guards throughout his career i mean and this dude has been around the league i mean you know whether it be with his dad you know with his dad Working with Coach Malone, I mean, you know, you know, working with Carlisle up in, in Dallas, you know, and working with that crew of, of guards. I mean, as you just mentioned a little bit ago, this is a team that that has a chance to kind of make a move. I mean, you know, they're a very talented club with with Donich. and uh, and so you know, he he's worked with those guys have been instrumental and helping them improve. So, I mean, I think that, you know, he doesn't come in here as a nobody or as this really complete unknown. So I think if you're Russ, if you're Russ and you do James Harden, you say, you know something, we listen to, to D'Antoni and that, that bull crap that he had to offer. And, uh, and we knew that that really wasn't going to work. See, I think I, I look at it the other way from a, from Harden standpoint. I think Harden, if you think about, they weren't going to win a championship uh, with D'Antoni, but if you, he's made a lot of guys a lot of money because they get their best offensive numbers of their careers in his offenses, and he let Harden do just about what he. So I don't think that they were just diametrically opposed to D'Antoni. I think D'Antoni overplayed his hand a little bit. I think he thought he was going to walk right into another head coaching job, and it just didn't work out. Now he's an assistant, uh, but I don't think that the players dislike Dan Tony because he it's like hey if I get to do what I want to do and I got the cool teacher I may not you know make straight A's but I got the cool teacher I can do what I want to do and I think that's the you know in my opinion that's kind of my take on on Harden and all of those offensive I mean he think about the guys he made money that made money because of you know Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion, all these guys that made a lot of money that didn't go on to do much else in the NBA. So I don't know. Not, right. not, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. What do you think about Daryl Morey in Philadelphia? I mean, you can get ready for some trades in Philly, I guess. Well, I think it's just kind of funny. But, I mean, one of the other issues that they, that they may be running into is that Doc Rivers has never been a huge fan of, of, of Amore's whole analytics kind of thing either. I mean, you know, he's he's kind of, you know, scoffed at that in the past and said some things. And so, you know, now this guy's going to be your boss. Yeah, I mean, I, I not, you know, and, and, and so I can see, you know, a situation where I think, you know, the, the, the Philadelphia brass didn't really think this thing through. Uh, well, I mean, you know, because you don't want to – you don't want to walk in day one with a head coach and general manager issue, you know, and that's why a lot of times you, you ought to, you know, hire the general manager before or president of operations or whatever you call them before you hire your head coach. And then that way, let him hire his own head coach because this could be a problem. I mean, you know, it, and it, it could philosophically, they could have some issues, you know, because I'm sure Doc Rivers has already been thinking of you know how to, how he envisions his team plan because you remember Doc has also been a, a head coach and GM GM before too, 
he has his own thoughts about what he needs and what you know and how he wants to play. But now you got this guy who could be in direct conflict with, 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 with what he wants. It'll be interesting in Philadelphia. I want to shift gears, ask you about the NFL. Uh, I've been thinking about you last couple of weeks, man. It's been a tough couple of weeks for you, Cleveland Browns. Uh, of course, uh, in that big matchup against the Steelers, it didn't work out. Then you come back, you beat Cincinnati, but you lose your best offensive player in Odell Beckham Jr. What are you Hold thinking on, about? Time out, time out, time out. Who said that Odell was our best offensive player? Oh, uh, okay. He, uh, Would you say yeah, what? The stats have not said that yet. Okay, well, number I mean, one. Yeah, because you yeah. don't have a quarterback that can get him the ball. Well, you can say what you want to, but guess what? We got five. We got five wins. <laughs> so who is when your best? You, out? When you get finished, we got five wins. <laughs> okay. Okay. So who so, is your so best? That's all I want to tell you, brother. Is we got five wins with this nobody <laughs> quarterback that can't get nobody to football. So do you think the national media is overreacting to uh, to them? Because I think the consensus around the country from you know people outside of Cleveland is that okay, yeah, they we thought they turned the corner, but then they ran into the Steelers, and now they are what we thought they were. Let me let me break it down to you, brother. Let me break it down to you real quick. But y'all people, other people who just only you know look at the obvious. Look here. If anybody looked at at the Cleveland Browns schedule before the season started, right, and you said that, oh, I expect the Browns to go into Baltimore on the opening game of the season and beat them in Baltimore. Or if you thought when you looked at the schedule, oh, and they're going to go into Pittsburgh and beat Pittsburgh too. Wasn't going to happen. I I never counted. Those two losses were always losses, you know, from, from day one to me. Okay, number one. I mean, you know, it's just. They have not beaten the, the, the Steelers in Pittsburgh in 17 years. Okay, <laughs> that don't that, that that does not doom our season. It's a loss. Now, what, what, are, are we going? Is everybody going to look a little different when, when we get Pittsburgh and Cleveland? You know, later this season, and we whoop their bus there. <laughs> so there's still I mean, optimism. It's, in it's a rivalry, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about that. I mean, we beat Baltimore. We were the, the the only team, you know, to beat Baltimore last year. We can beat Baltimore. We can beat Pittsburgh. So, are okay? you, uh, so, so what are you thinking of the performance of, of Baker Mayfield lately? And then what will that loss of Odell Beckham do for, uh, to that offense? Well, this is what it's going to do to the offense. It's going to make, honestly, I don't think that the Odell Beckham thing was working. And it wasn't his fault. It was it, it was the inability of the coaches to really break down what this guy does well and how to get him to football and get him involved to be the playmaker that he is. They never really quite did that the way that they should have in the first place. And then Baker, what Baker does is he throws a lot of interceptions to, guess who? When, on the play that Odell got injured, Guess what happened? Yeah, intended. For Baker him. threw a uh, yeah. Baker threw an interception that was intended for him. He throws a lot of interceptions that guy's way for whatever reason, and I think a lot of it has to do with Odell and, and how the type of quarterback he needs. Because you have to be able to throw the football where only he can do it, where only he can make the play, and, and then trust that he's going to go up and make an athletic play, which he, you know he's he's one of the best at. Baker's not good at that. And I don't know whether that's just being a young quarterback or what, or maybe he's just not that accurate. Who knows? But for whatever reason, it wasn't working out. But, I mean, did you see? I mean, it wasn't like our offense stopped or the Browns' offense stopped after uh, Odell got hurt. I mean, he got hurt the first series of the game. And at one point during that game, Baker Mayfield completed, I want to say, 
correct me if I'm wrong, 21 straight passes. Well, I know the game went back and forth. There were five lead changes in the fourth quarter. That yeah, kind of – I didn't get a chance. Well, we got bad, the, well, the Browns have a bad defense. But the fact of the matter is we have an offense that can keep up and can score the football. And we have a quarterback who completed 21 straight passes in a game. That's not easy to do. Yeah, and, and I guess uh, those tight ends and, and some of those other receivers yeah. will have an opportunity. I mean, La- La- Landry will be fine. I mean, you know, uh, you know, and, and Joku, uh, the other tight end, we – the receiver that caught the game winning t- uh, touchdown pass. I mean, you know, he's kind of a, a young up and comer. Uh, you know, in a couple weeks, we're gonna get Nick Chubb back. I put our running our running backs against anybody in the league. I think we we got the best running back situation in the NFL right now. Yeah, yeah, and, it's and, hard and to so, argue against uh, uh, that yeah. tandem is when they're healthy. Uh, so you yeah. know, but so let's we're good. let's let's go to Texas. Uh, Texas, uh, the state of Texas, just having a bad pro football season in the worst way. Let's start with Dallas. Dallas, it's uh, it's awful up there. Is there anything you can do to fix any of that? And and what do you do if you're the Cowboys moving forward? Well, if, if you can fire your owner, <laughs> the Cowboys will win a lot more. I mean, I think that, you know, I, and I've always said this, I think Jerry Jones is, is one of the worst owners that I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. And, and right now the Browns have a pretty bad one, too. But he's not as bad as this guy, I think, because this guy really just kind of get he he's not only meddlesome, I mean he's hands on with it. Uh cutting the guy Poe today when when we know I mean Poe, you you want you wanna blame it on him being overweight? Get out of here, dude. This kid but this kid been overweight all season long. No, he's been kneeling. Jerry Jones thinks he is bigger than the NFL. See, I didn't know that. And so I, you're saying that Dante uh Poe has been taking a knee? Yeah, he, he's been taking a knee all season. He's the I, only I player. I didn't know that. He's yeah, he's the only player up there that, that's had the that, that's had the nerve, whatever you want to call it, to take a knee. And Jerry Jones didn't like that. And he won't even deny that that's why he did it. But he also, but instead of say, having to deal with deal with it outwardly, all he said is, "Look, the dude was overweight. He wasn't being productive." But you know, man, please. So that that's part of their problem. But I mean, you know, here. When you when Dak got hurt the way Dak got hurt, but they, they were they were having issues even before then. I mean, and once again, it just goes back to Jerry Jones and and his, and his son Stephen have always, in my mind, underestimated and undervalued you know the role of a GM and and and, and having a, a solid GM, a, a real GM who's really in there evaluating talent. Finding you know those diamonds in the rough, not always. Well, you know, the I, I will play. say this: uh, they have Will McClay up there, who actually went to my high school. He, when you think about some of the guys they brought in, I think they, I mean, they have the right. They did find Dak. Dak was you know sort of a needle in a haystack a little bit. I, I, <sighs> other, other teams weren't chomping at the bit to get him, and then you had you, you guys like Gallup and Jarwin, and just a, a lot of other guys. And then they were well, like I said, there, there are other guys. There, yeah, and, guys, and, and, and look and look where they got them at right now with two wins. Well, yeah, and I think that, that along with San Francisco, I can't think of another team in the NFL that's had been hit as hard by the injury bug. They've lost like three or four offensive linemen. You lost a left tackle. You you lost both tackles. You, you lost your your franchise quarterback. Yeah, they they've been hit pretty hard by the injury bug as well because they can't even run the football now. No, they, they they can't. I mean, they, they got issues. I mean, and and then, and, and the person that you have to turn to now is Andy Dalton, 
And Andy, I just don't know. I don't even understand how Andy has been in the league as long as he's been in the league. I mean, it's amazing to me. But see, people you know, say that he, but he was a playoff quarterback. He just couldn't beat the Texans. He he went. He took that franchise, Cincinnati, to the playoffs three or four times, and you know, so he didn't have and, success. And, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and so that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, you want a quarterback, and I think you know that was some years ago too with that. So he's declined a lot. Yeah. Since since then, I mean, so I mean, I just feel like they're just. Uh, I mean, it is what it is with that concern. Uh, and, uh, you know, but I always take it back to Jerry Jones and, 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 and how he runs that franchise. I just don't think he has it stocked for for tough times. Like, you know, like a few years ago, I, I, one of the things that was so great about the Texans, people don't remember this, but I mean, when, when Kupiak was here, Smith uh, was, was his GM, they went out and found some guys that were undrafted who turned out to be incredible players and you have to do that but they but before they got a chance to prove themselves as, as incredible big time players they 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 were depth guys who then you know when, when jj got hurt stepped up and stuff like that i mean you know you had you have players i mean you have to really know what you're doing as a gm a lot of times to find those type of guys Speaking of, there's no GM in in Houston. What are the What do the Texans do now? Is it time to break that whole thing up? What about shipping JJ White out? What do you What do you do to make that team better? I'm moving forward. Well, see, here's the thing. I don't even know if it's about timing as much as it's about how do we improve, have a chance to improve at all. They have no, I mean, because of what O'Brien, what O'Brien did, and they allowed and Cal allowed O'Brien to do. They have no draft capital. I mean, like, think about, wrap your mind around this. They could end up with the number one overall pick. They could, they could end up with the worst record in the NFL this season. I mean, you know, although it don't look like anybody would be worse than the Jets. So let's say they did. Then they ended up being worse than the Jets. That draft pick and then the second round draft pick both go to Miami. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how, how much of a, I mean, how much of a kick in the teeth is that? And then you did it when you knew you had to turn around and let Laramie Tunzel break the bank. So yeah, that yeah. and that and that further hinders you because now you got salary cap issues. Just is that guy did a lot of damage to this uh, he, organization. He did a lot, dude. He did a lot of damage. I mean, like, I mean, like he was kind of like Isaiah Thomas, you know, a few years ago in basketball. Everybody loved to see him coming because they knew that they were going to take his shirt from him. I mean, this dude here, I mean, you know, he, he just gave it. He gave it up, man. I mean, but at the same time, this is where your owner has to be smart and be like, well, you know, look at you got to still you got to look at your team like your house. Like, this is my investment. Am I going to let you just take stuff out of my home that's just going to lower the, the, you know, the price of my home, you know, or the, the value of my home? No, I'm not. I'm not giving away DeAndre Hopkins for for nothing. I just you don't know? know what he said to make them believe in him. Like, what did Bill O'Brien ever do to deserve that kind of power over an NFL franchise? Like, what what did he, what did McNair hear from Bill O'Brien that says, you know what, you got the keys to the city, take it over and run with it? Like, I, well, that's I unbelievable. Like, I, to I, me. I don't like I, I, don't, I don't like to talk about I don't like to talk ill of, of the dead. So I'm not gonna say anything about the about the daddy, okay? <laughs> okay. You know that's all I'm gonna say about that. I mean, you know, <laughs> is, is is that you know, but but I just think that you know, 
Sometimes people speak to your soul. It's kind of like why we got the president we have right now. Yeah. People like to speak to your soul and, and to, the, to, to really what's going on inside of you. And all of a sudden, you kind of see them for what they really ain't. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I think that that's what happened with Bill O'Brien. I mean, you know, but Bill, Bill messed this up colossally. And they, but, you know, he also still had, he still had oversight. There was still some people who could have said, well, no, we're not going to do this. I mean, I don't even have a problem with you giving up your first-round pick for Laramie, right? Right. But you don't give up two second-round disease. Yeah, and then they what they exchanged, they flip-flop fourth-round picks as well. It's like just a bad bit. And, and see, here's my deal. Even if you decide, even if you say with DeAndre, okay, you make a deal for DeAndre. And you say to yourself, okay, well, we can pay three guys what we were paying him, and we're not going to pay him $27 million a year. I, okay, if that's your philosophy moving forward, that's fine. But you have to get more than a bad salary cap hit in a journeyman or what turns turns out to be a, a running back. I won't call him a journeyman, but a guy that can't stay healthy at running back in David Johnson. You have to get more than that for Hopkins because I, I understand it. Next year they're going to have to pay Fuller. And he's going to make probably $15 million a year. They didn't want to pay Hopkins 27 You can make a case for the philosophy, but you cannot nah. make a case for that for that deal. You know, I don't know. I mean, because, see, here's the problem with, with DeAndre. Now, if DeAndre were Brandon Cooks, then I would say, yeah, I'm not going to make that. I mean, you know, I'm going to go ahead and get rid of him. But DeAndre, man, is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of guy. Yeah, he's a top five receiver, man. And it's hard to let those guys walk away from your franchise. But, you know, it really hasn't been the offense in the last three weeks that, that have gotten you in a lot of trouble. It's really been the defense and, and really the lack of a running game. They haven't been able to really run the football. But if you look at it, Fuller has five games in a row with a touchdown. The receivers have put up some – Cooks had a good game in there. Cobb had a, a productive day against the, the Packers. That defense is, is the worst. And now you have to think about trading J.J. White. Is that something that you would do? Yes. I mean, but everybody, for the most part, should be on the – I mean, like, I, I wrote about that in this week's uh, Defender. Everyone should be on the, available with the exception of two players in my mind. One of them is obviously Deshaun. Mm -hmm. The other one is Laramie because you can't get the value that you gave up for him. <laughs> so he's untouched to me. He's untouchable. But I think you have to listen to any and all offers for pretty much anybody else. And because and, and, uh, what, what you're trying to do now is gain draft capital going forward. You got to figure out how to do that. Yeah, because they are in a lot of trouble. Uh, before we get out of here, any anything else around the NFL stand out? Obviously, we have three players now with COVID this week, but on or off the field, anything stand out? You can, uh, Antonio Brown is joining the Buccaneers. What are your thoughts on, on anything else around the NFL? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing right now that I think we all have to continue to watch, you know, watch and keep an eye on is what you just pointed out is this whole COVID issue and how it's not getting any better. And it's creating situations where you have to shut down things. Like, I don't believe that the Super Bowl will be when they're planning it to be at this point. I just think that we're going to have too many delays and it's going to push the postseason back and everything else. We all have to be concerned about how the NFL is going to progress with this. And I mean, because hell, like right now, even the, the Texans have a guy. The you Texans know, he's, have he's a, a guy. A, uh, the the Giants have a guy. And the Chargers all have a guy that have tested positive this week. We're at Thursday. So you still have a yeah. couple more days to game day. Yeah. 
Yep. So, I mean, I think it's something to continue to watch, man. So, how can, uh, what have you been writing about? What are you going to write about in Houston Defender? Well, to, the, this week, we're going to, I take a look at, um, at you know, what, what the, what the Texans' options are and what the best moves may be. I mean, you know, as, as the trade deadline looms on Tuesday. I mean, you know, it's, it's a big day for the world, but it's also a big day for, for the Texans, too. You know, and, and they really need to be making moves this week, not Tuesday, because by Tuesday, you know, their positioning is going to lessen. Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. I thought that getting a deal with Seattle would have been a great move. They need a defensive pass rusher. They made a move and got Carlos Dunlap from the Cincinnati Bengals, but I, I thought that would have been a good fit for JJ, I'd have to think about you. You mentioned off the air. You talked about uh, Green Bay maybe being a good fit for him. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what teams want to make a run at a guy that's he only has one more year left under his deal. But it was I think he's owed seventeen million dollars next year. So yeah, it would have to be I would think a team that is trying to make a Super Bowl run now. And so that's something to think about moving forward. So we'll keep an eye on that. How can folks reach you on social media? How can they read your stuff? How can they get to your work? Hey, check me out on, um, you can go to Terrence Harris um, on Twitter and uh, check me out on www.defendernetwork.com. I mean, and it's all right there for you. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate you as always. Enjoy talking to King T. And usually we talk to you on Thursday. So it's great to catch up with you every thir- every other Thursday or so. We certainly appreciate it. Yeah, that's a bet, man. You know, I enjoy this, so I look forward to it. Hey, man, thanks a lot. All right. Always enjoy hearing from our guy, Terrence Harris of the Houston Defender. And uh, like he's a he's a product of the plains of Ohio. I don't know what their little slogan is. I don't know what you say about Ohio, but he's a an Ohioan. And so he represents his Cleveland Browns. So I really appreciate his passion about the Cleveland Browns, but I am passionate about something else. I'm passionate about. The Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. Of course, you know by now that the Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy. Well, I referenced this earlier, so you know where I'm going with this. It's all about Justin Turner. Justin Turner, why? Why would you do it, man? Why? And then you didn't even you didn't even look like you felt any kind of way about it. You didn't even look like let me sneak my mask off. You just didn't give a straight damn. And I just don't get it. Why would you do that? Square biz, man. Why would you do that? You're right next to Dave Roberts. Why would you do that to him? Why would you put this man and every uh, everybody else in jeopardy? This baffles me. But then again, there's so many things about these days that don't make any sense. That's why we have such high numbers. Even still, this was how many months is this now? We're nine months. What are we? Eight months? Eight months, and we're having some of our highest totals ever of COVID because people just don't want to do right. I don't know how, I, I just don't know this self-destructive, self-loathing thing that we are doing these days. And you, Justin Turner, exemplify that. You are the shining example of dumbassery. You are. But why would you do, you know you have it. You know you have it. I mean, you've had a couple tests, inconclusive, which probably came back. They thought it was a false positive. 
It, it probably was positive the first time, and they were hoping that it was a false positive, but then you get the positive test, and you still do what you did. MLB are big dummies, too. They, they deserve whatever they get out of this whole situation, too, because that was terrible. You can act self-righteous, but if he had an inconclusive test, what, what was the protocol? What was the process about that? If you're in COVID purgatory, you're still allowed to just roll and be around people? Super spreading? So he is tainted. Let's see where this goes. Let's see if history will reflect how negligent on the light end, he's just a, a, a dumbass. You're just a Lamont. You're a big dummy. But on the more serious end, this is negligent behavior. I hope your manager, I just hope he doesn't get sick, man. I really do. And I know they were outdoors and maybe I just, so did you go and take separate showers? Did you go pop champagne with them? What all did you do? Cause he couldn't have stopped that. If you didn't give a damn about MLB security getting on the field, I'm sure they didn't stop you from going into the, the clubhouse. Did you shower, pop champagne, jump up and down, put on your, your goggles and, you know, <laughs> to, 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 to protect your eyes from champagne so you could have fun? I'm telling you, man, this is Rome all over again. We need to read these history books, man. This is Rome all over again. Rome wasn't defeated externally. They were defeated internally. That's what we're doing. But beyond all of that, Justin Turner. You are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> I don't know what else I can say about this. It is just it's self-explanatory. It's a damn shame, and I just hope nobody gets sick. I hope this is just something we can look at and say, boy, he sure did you know, do something irresponsible. But it's hard to laugh at anything when we have 230,000 people dead from COVID. And those are just the official numbers. We don't know how many people have died of, uh, of COVID-related things. And they're talking about all sorts of things associated with this illness. But hopefully we overcome this and no one on his, in, in, his, uh, in his little circle of friends and teammates and their families, no one gets sick. We hope he didn't super spread this. But nonetheless, with that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Kalina for the moving Why We Kneel. Want to thank our guy, King T, Terrence Harris of the Houston Defender. Want to thank you guys. Um, again, 832-941-6614. 832-941-6614. And, of course, go to the WaysWordProductions.com website. Subscribe to the email list. We have an announcement coming up Tuesday, something big we are doing. We need your help, your support. And, uh, yeah, you'll have a way that you can help us. That's a big, big deal. But until then, I want you to remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.